So you've been hearing about the interest rates, hikes, the layoffs, the recession that's possibly coming. Well, don't worry. I got you because in this video, I'm going to break down the things you should be thinking about and how to remove the fear and being scared of all this information, interest rate hikes and recession and how you can be prepared to take advantage of it and come out the other side richer than you were before we went into a recession. Let's get into it. Do you feel like you were meant to live a life of financial abundance? Like you know your money is supposed to work harder for you than you work for it? Maybe you heard about the stock market and the new millionaires being created and wonder why not me? Maybe you want to invest in the stock market, but you don't know where to start. Maybe you have a 401k or an IRA, but you want to enjoy your money now, not just in retirement. Maybe you already had some success in the stock market, but you want to take it to the next level. Working for somebody else and watching free YouTube videos will only get you so far. To truly be financially free, it takes a strategic game plan, an investor's mindset, and a willingness to take calculated risks. When you're ready to get out of the rat race and onto the fast track, join us here where we break down how to manage money, how to navigate the stock and options market, and how to approach investing with the right mindset. I'm Jason Brown, stock market coach and options trader, and this is the Money Markets and Mindset Podcast. So there's a lot going on in the economy right now. There's a lot going on in everybody's lives. And a lot of it has to do with fear and fear of everything that the news and the media is talking about. And I don't think a lot of people really understand what's going on or how it could affect them either negatively or positive to positively, I can't even say it, right? Maybe because just like most people can't think positive right now, it's hard to even say the word positively, but there is a potential that with everything going on, it can affect you positively. So I want to talk about that side because it's not all doom and gloom, but we also need to be prepared for you know what all this interest rate hikes and recession talk could potentially mean. So let's just dive into what just recently happened. So depending on when you listen to this, Fed Jerome Powell just raised interest rates again. And not only did he raise interest rates again, he basically said that we're going to raise interest rates another 1.25 basis points. So this was just this past Wednesday, September uh, 21st, I believe is when they raised interest rates and did that whole meeting or it was the day before, but basically we're going to raise it again. They raised it 75 basis points and now they're going to raise it another 1.25 basis point. That's an additional total 2% interest rate raise, um, since the last raises that they did. I think they raised it already, um, about two or three basis points. So basically we're, what does this all mean though, right? Because if you're not like, what's a basis point? It's basically a basis point is, um, you know, one basis point would mean they raised it. Um, I, I'm saying this wrong. 100 basis points would mean they raised it 1%. So if they say 75 basis points, it is 0.75%. So it's three quarters of a whole percentage. Anyway, that's not even really important. What's important is what does this mean? So let's talk about what this means. So you can be informed when you're talking with people at work or you're like, what's going on with the stock market? You're not sitting in the corner like, mm, I don't know what's going on. Um, so don't ask me. 
So here's what this simply means. When you think about the Fed raising the federal funds rates, which when you look at your credit card statement or you look at you ever you ever hear like uh, on your credit card, let's just stick with that. It'll say your interest rate is, you know, 7% plus prime. So that plus prime is controlled by the government for the most part to keep things simple. So if your interest rate is 7%, When they say plus prime, if prime is 2%, then it'll be 9%. If it's prime is, you know, headed towards where it looks like it's headed, like 6%. So if your interest rate is 7% plus prime, well, you're talking about 7% plus 6%. You're talking about 13%. That's almost double, you know, what the base rate is, if that makes sense. And so what that starts to do, and when you think about it in terms of houses as well, let let me go there as well before we talk about what that starts to do. When you think about that in terms of houses as well, what was happening is when the pandemic hit, interest rates were so low at like, you know, two and a quarter or two point nine percent under three percent. What it allowed people to do was buy more house, because what happened for the first time or for a long time in history is that a house that normally would cost three hundred thousand dollars, you may not have been able to afford that at a six percent interest rate. So you would have to buy a $200,000 house because at a 6% interest rate, maybe your payment was $3,000. I'm just making up these numbers. Let's just say your payment was $3,000 at a 6% interest rate. Well, when they cut the interest rate in half, basically went down about 3%, all of a sudden you could now afford, so that $300,000 house you couldn't afford because you could afford a $200,000 house. Well, you now could afford a $400,000 house and it would still be roughly the same payment as the $200,000 house that you could afford. So you could afford $100,000 more of a house because remember, you normally couldn't afford a $300,000 at 6%. You could only afford a $200,000. Well, when the interest rates go lower, not only could you afford the $300,000, but you could afford to pay $100,000 over the asking price, you could go up to a $400,000 house or pay over $100,000 for your $300,000 house. I hope that makes sense. You could overpay or just buy a bigger house and your payments would be about the same as if you had bought the $200,000 house because that's what interest rates do. Interest rates spread out over payments spread out over a long time mixed with a low interest rate gives you a low payment. Payments spread out over a long time with a higher interest rate gives you a higher payment, which means you can afford less of a house if you want to bring that payment down. And so interest rates basically allow us to charge things on our credit card. And you're like, ah, I'm only paying an extra three pennies for every dollar that I spend. That's not bad. Well, when they raise the rates, it's like it's an extra six pennies, right? And then as you look, spread that out over thousands of dollars or six pennies that compound every single month, if you don't pay off that balance, it becomes a problem or you think twice about what you can buy or the things that you buy will keep you in debt a little bit longer. So how does that translate to a recession, economy, poor earnings? Why are people selling their stocks? A couple of things are happening. Number one, if people can't, by um, 
I shouldn't say if people can't buy it, if people are buying less than they would, because most big purchases are finance. You think about a car, it's typically finance. You think about a home, it's typically finance. Most people don't just walk in, drop cash for a car, drop cash for a home. If you think about business expansion, you're buying a building, you're buying equipment, you're usually financing that equipment, which is going to allow you to expand your business. Think about a doctor, think about a dentist who's thinking about opening a practice. They need the seats, the dental equipment, the medical equipment. Well, now all of that stuff that normally is finance, you still could finance it, but now your monthly payments are going to be higher on that, making the risk of going into business for yourself higher, making the cost of capital to stay in business higher because now you got to make more money to pay off that debt because you have a higher payment. If you're buying a car, maybe you will hold on to the used car that you have, or you'll buy less of a car than you were willing to pay for because the interest rate means the payments are going to be higher. Same thing with a house. If you live in a house, you're less likely to move because you typically don't downsize unless you're in your older days. But the majority of people buying houses are young people, people who are expanding their family, et cetera. And typically you need a bigger house. So even if your house is paid off, you're typically going to go into a bigger house and going to acquire new debt. But now you're going to acquire that new debt at a higher interest rate, which means that you go from no payment to a payment, but not just a payment, a bigger payment than normal because of the interest rate being higher. And even if you were to go from your current house to a house that is similar price, but you just like this one better. You're going to jump out of your maybe 3% or 4% loan and then get into a 6% loan. So automatically you're paying 2% more, which is going to equate to paying more for the house over 30 years or, or, and, or I should say paying more money out of pocket for the house. Now, now how does this affect people? If you're paying more money for the house, then that means you have less money for groceries, less money for vacation, less money for a a new iPhone. And so you're going to start to scale back on things that you don't necessarily need. That's called having discretionary income. You can buy discretionary things like a purse, new shoes, etc. Well, if your discretionary income is decreasing because the interest rate, if you finance a car, a home, or put something on your credit card, mixed with the fact that everything is costing more anyway because of inflation, so you're paying more for it and you're paying more for it if you charge it or finance it, you're going to start to think twice about even buying more things. So if you were to slow down your spending, slow down your buying, and we all as Americans start doing that at the same time, that's what we call a global slowdown, or we start to see slow GDP growth, right? Gross domestic product growth, meaning we stop spending as much money. The U.S. stops importing or exporting as much. Maybe the rest of the world is going through the same thing at the same time. So they're not exporting as much stuff from the U.S., And so what you have is companies now are selling less and less of their product. Now, I want you to listen to me and pay attention because this is where it gets important. Because it costs more to buy things or finance things, you stop or don't do it at all. Because you stop, don't do it or slow down. And we all slow down at the same time. Companies sell less products or services because they sell less products or services they start to look at how can they, A, still deliver their numbers to Wall Street, B, how can they survive this slowdown until things pick back up? And so when they start to look at how can we 
uh, deliver our numbers to Wall Street, meaning we still have to be profitable. And how can we survive this slowdown until things pick back up? What we start as business owners and as companies to ask ourselves is how can we cut costs? And one of the first things, I would say the top two things that a company probably looks at first is number one, advertising. And so they say, well, if people aren't buying as much, maybe we don't need as big of an advertisement budget because we're advertising when people are slowing down their spending. That's one way. The other way, they might say, no, we need to keep advertising up to make sure our name is out there and people think about us when they do go to buy the product. But do we need as many employees right now? Because, you know, we got 10 people just standing around picking their nose and we're not selling as many products. Maybe we can only do with five people. And so here comes the problem. So good news, bad news. Good news is Fed raised interest rates, slows down consumption, slows down spending. Great allows the prices to come back down. They don't need to make as much stuff, allows the supply chain to catch up. Good news. Bad news, companies sell less. They start to look at ways to cut costs. They start to look at you. You guessed it. (laughs) They start to look at the workers and say, hey, maybe we don't need all of you. And so as companies start to lay off, this is what the world is talking about, about the self-fulfilling prophecy of a recession coming. So what do you think happens if the if companies start laying people off? It just refeeds the machine. What machine, Jason Brown? Well, glad you're listening. The machine that says, hey, if these people get laid off, that's more people that have less money to spend. More people that have less money to spend mean they can't buy cars, can't buy houses. You definitely can't get approved for a house without a job or a car. So that helps with inflation because there's less consumption, less spending. Okay, but good news, bad news. It helps with inflation, brings costs down, brings supply and demand into alignment. However, you just lost your job. All right. So I don't know how much good news that really is, but, you know, good news for the economy, bad news for you. And so. That's pretty much what the Fed is saying indirectly is that it's going to be bad news for some people. Bad news that you as a young person yeah, may not be able to get that new home for five more years or 10 more years. You know, so if you're a newlywed couple still living in your parents basement, they're like, ah, it's not that bad. You guys can stay there a little bit longer or you can move into one of these apartments and pay a little bit higher price of rent. Um, but. You know, don't sign up for too much of a high price of rent because you might lose your job. Right. So, I mean, it's just it's kind of this just wheel of fortune that keeps spinning until supply and demand comes in alignment. Now, here's the good news again. You lose your job. The Fed saying there's so many job openings out there. We can afford to slow the economy down and for a couple of people to lose their jobs and they can fill in some of these other jobs. Good news. There's other jobs. Bad news. You might not like those jobs, right? You kind of go back to the old days where you're like, I work a job that I hate. But during the pandemic, it was like, everyone's hiring. I can get into all these companies now that I can never get into. And then the reverse happens. They start laying people off. At least that's the forecast of what's going to happen if we continue along this rate hike path, which the Fed said, that's what we're pretty much going to do. We're going to keep raising rates until we feel we've hit a level to where uh, unemployment is going to spike. They already know this. We're going to bring supply uh, or demand down so that supply can catch up and let prices catch up. And then we'll feel happy. We'll sit there for a while before we even consider 
A, stop raising rates, and then B, before we even consider lowering rates again. Now, this, so that's what this all means. So I hope, number one, I shed some light on what all this means. Now, number two, should you be, you know, here's the ultimate question, because I don't want you to be scared of all this right now. It's like, like, oh my God, is that me? Is everyone going to lose their job? Well, not everyone. Some people will, but that's okay. You'll get a job, maybe not the one you want. Life will be okay. Let's talk about the real question. And this is where I really want to give you some tools is should we be scared or should we be prepared? That's the question. Should we be scared or should we be prepared? Now, I'm going to tell you firsthand, we should not be scared. The only people who should be scared who are not prepared. And so I'm going to prepare you. I got you. I got you covered. So listen, let's be prepared. Prepare for what, Jason Brown? Short term, there is going to be more pain because interest rates are going to go up. Most likely there's going to be layoffs. And I just told you how that whole vicious cycle works, but we need that cycle to work to get inflation down. So good news, bad news. Again, if we're prepared, if you think about it like this, so I wanted to get your mind right. If you think about it like this, there is no crises. There's no recession. There's no interest rate and there's no inflation. There's no pandemic that the U.S. economy has not come out of eventually stronger. You can't name one. I don't care if you think about swine flu, smallpox, chicken pox, HIV, opioid, you name a medical crisis that affected any age group. Okay. Hepatitis B, C, chicken pox, smallpox, shingles. I don't, I, I don't even know if those were epidemics, pandemics, whatever. Just you pick one, okay? The you just pick one. There is not one that we have not come out better. Pick a time where inflation was at all time high. There has not been a time we have not come out better. When I say better, look at the stock chart. There has not been a time that the S&P 500, which is the measurement of the overall US economy, uh has not come out better over time over time. So bad news, short term, we're probably going lower, which means there's going to be some pain in your investment account, some pain in your 401k account. That's the problem. Should we be scared? No, because if you don't need that money right now, eventually we come back higher. Now, let's talk about being prepared though, because being scared means just like close your eyes, don't look at it and Ah, eventually we'll be okay. And that's an okay way to live, but I ain't just trying to get by. I'm trying to thrive. And so when we look at being prepared, we say, okay, if the market is going to drop, what should we be doing in the meantime? So let me give you a couple of things that I think you should consider. This is not advice. I'm just sharing with you what you should A, consider, and then B, I'll share with you some things that I'm doing. So number one, you should consider learning how the stock market works. All right. You can't be prepared to take advantage when we come back roaring. If you're like, how do I open an account? And, um, you know, how do I read a stock chart? And, you know, when the pandemic hit and all the stocks dropped and then came back roaring, if you weren't prepared with how to open an account, how to buy a stock, how to buy a call option and supercharge and take advantage of that profit, you weren't prepared. You missed it. 
you were probably on the other side being scared. Like, I just don't want to look at my account. Let's just sell everything before it goes to zero, which it typically never does. It comes back long term. And long term, when you think about it, it was like a year later, two years max, we returned to all time highs. We didn't even return to where we were. We shot to all time new highs. So if you were prepared through that time, you could have got rich. So you want to be prepared to buy stocks. But we'll talk about that in a second. How do we prepare in the short term? That's preparing for the long term. How do we prepare in the short term? I think you need to know how put options work. Most people don't understand that they can buy insurance for their portfolio, insurance for the stocks that they own. And that's what we're trying to teach people. People always say options are risky. That's like saying driving a car with insurance is risky. Like, no, you bought the insurance to minimize the risk. You bought the insurance in case you get in a car accident. Same thing with the stock market. You can buy insurance for your portfolio by using put options. You can protect your account. So as we sell off, you can not only lock in the money that you have, but you actually could start to make money depending on how far we fall. It's a beautiful thing. I did a whole video about it. I recorded live where I made $100,000 in one day from stocks falling. I wasn't panicking. I wasn't scared. I was prepared. And so that's what I want for you. I want you to be prepared, but you can't be prepared if you're sitting on the sidelines, scared with your head in the sand and saying, oh, I'll learn about this when things get better. You got to learn about it now. Now is the time. And chaos is where the millionaires are created. That's where the money is made. So you got to get the education. You got to learn how it works. Number two thing I think you need to be prepared for and be doing is raising capital. Now, when I say raising capital, some people think raising capital means go out and ask your friends for money. Well, that, that, that could be true. But I think when people hear the term raising capital, they think you want me to come pitch to some venture capitalist fund or, you know, like, you know, do I go talk to some billionaires and ask them to support my idea? And that's not what I'm thinking about when I'm talking about raising funds. You as an individual can raise funds. So I'll give you an example of one way I'm raising funds. There's a couple, just a couple things you can do as a consumer and some I've even done for myself. So number one, um, I've opened up some new lines of credit. Now, do I need those lines of credit? No, but I'm gonna give you a pro tip here. You always want to apply for credit when you don't need it. Because guess what? When you actually need the credit, the banks don't want to lend it to you. <laughs> See, if you go into the bank and say, hey, I'm in trouble. My business isn't doing good. Well, we, me, me and my, you know, my, I just got laid off and, you know, me and my wife and my kids, we, we risk losing our house any day now. Can you loan me $100,000? They're going to say, let me get back to you on that next year when you get a job and when things are going better. You know what I'm saying? Like they kind of just played you. But if you and what I mean by that is they're going to ask you for, well, give us two weeks of a pay stub. Give us your last year's tax returns. You're like, I don't have a pay stub. I just got laid off. And see, they ain't trying to hear that. And so you need to be raising cap. Now, I can't lay myself off. I'm my own business owner, but. I'm still taking the same mindset as if I was an employee. I'm applying for credit lines and raising capital now because if I ever need it, which I hope I don't, but I'll tell you how I'll use it either way, whether I need it or not. Um, I'd rather have the capital while life is good, while my credit is good, while I don't need it. And that's what I have lines of credit open for. I, I won't go into the numbers, but I never use them. 
And when I go into the bank and when I apply for those, they're like, what are you planning to use the money for? I'm like, nothing. That's why I'm here when I don't need it because I know you won't give it to me when I do need it. And so, <coughs> excuse me. And so the key is to open up lines of credit when you have a job, you still have the two weeks pay stub that you can show them because if you come in there after you get laid off, they ain't trying to hear. And sometimes having that $10,000 line of credit, 20, 50, whatever you can get approved for. Um, now I'm saying lines of credit because lines of credit are normally what businesses use and I have a business, but you as a person could open up a credit card that could have a, um, a cash advance portion to it. In fact, I actually do have a line of credit as an individual at the credit union. So they do give lines of credits to you as an individual where you can just pull that money out and use it for anything. No questions asked. All right. Sometimes all you need is ten, twenty thousand dollars to get you through this gap period until things pick back up without you having to sell your car, sell your home and have a fire sale um, just to make ends meet. Sometimes all you need is that bridge loan, that bridge gap, but they don't want to give it to you when you actually need it. Now, the so that's one thing you can do, open up lines of credit. Two, you could apply for credit cards, right? Yes, you're going to be paying a little bit more in interest if you were to pull the actual cash out or if you're charging because the interest rates are going up. But again, sometimes all you need to do is float until you get to a better position. All right. Now, that's that's playing defense is just preparing for like in case you get laid off in case, um, you know, you got to float some bills for a while. That's playing defense. Let's talk about why I'm opening up lines of credits. And that is to play offense. So I want you to think about it like this or I don't want you to think about it like anything. I'm going to share with you how I'm thinking about it. So. I've been talking to some people and some of my friends and stuff are like, look, I think it's going to be a squeeze in the real estate market. Some people that are over leveraged, bought some assets, thought they was going to be able to refinance it later. We think some people are going to get squeezed out of the real estate market. There'll probably be some fire sales. There'll be some people who lose their jobs, who might have gotten to the real estate game and have to let go of some prime properties. And so here's the thing. As I raise capital, I'll... I've seen the 08 crash. I've seen dot com verbal bust. I've seen I've lived through some stuff and I'm young, but, you know, we've all lived through pandemic, different things like that. And so one of the things that is consistent with anybody you talk to through the pandemic drop through the 08 real estate market crash is there's a consistent theme is that I wish I had more money to buy more houses. I wish I had more money to buy more stocks. I wish I understood real estate. I understood the stock market. And so that's what I meant by don't be scared, be prepared. If you don't understand real estate, this is a good time to start studying it. Because once the deal is in front of you, you can't be like, well, how does this work? How do you find renters? And how do I get a mortgage? Like you, you late, you late to the party. And then you like, how do I get money? I just lost my job. It's like, oh my God, thank goodness you found this podcast, okay? So you you late to the party, same thing with stocks. I'm telling you, there's some places, I, I was doing some calculations. I'm like, I could borrow a half million dollars and it'll cost me like $2,500 a month to borrow a half million. I'm telling you with that half million, I can put it in the market once I get a good feeling for if we bottom and starting to head back up. Trust me when I say if you saw me make a hundred thousand dollars in one day, 
there's some damage I could do over 30 days with an extra half a million when the opportunity presents itself. Now, I'm not just pulling money out and just doing stuff just because I got some extra money, but I'm saying I got the lines of credit. I got some other things on standby that I'll have access to now. And I won't have to go ask no questions later. When it's go time, I'm just doing a wire transfer for whatever we need to do with whatever we need to do. You see what I'm saying? When it's go time, it's it's like, boom, yep. I don't even got to call nobody. It's like jump on a computer, boop, send a wire. We just bought that multifamily unit. Or it's like, ooh, Amazon got down to what price? Go ahead and do the wire. <laughs> Give us about you know, 300,000 shares, right? So we want to be prepared because I don't want to be looking back like, man, I wish I had more money. Uh, I wish I understood how this worked, right? By the time you studying and trying to figure out how how it works, the moment has passed. So that's why I started this out with what is being prepared. Number one, having the knowledge, all right? Number two is raising capital, having the money, the funds available when it's go time. You can't be waiting to 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 the opportunity comes in, but let me see who go approve me. It's like, ah, uh, you you playing game. You're trying to get a house and it's take 30 days to get approved and they backed up or something. Like they going on to the next bidder. They going on to people like me. Like, don't worry about it. I got cash. Let's go. We we can close tomorrow. All right. (laughs) So same thing with the stock market. When it starts to take off and it's roaring, there's no time. Like, wait, hold on. Let me finish going through the let me find a course to buy or a program to join and go through these modules. And and, and then I'll uh, so I can jump in and know what I'm doing. It's like too late, buddy. You should have been studying. What, what was that saying? Um, I I believe it. I forget who the saying was. I'm a botch this quote, but I know you guys understand it. So I forget who it was, but the, the, the premise was if I had if I had 10 hours to cut down the tree, I spend nine hours sharpening my sword. Right. And so the point is, basically, the person was like, I would be sharpening my sword, sharpening my axe and getting ready for the opportunity. So when I swing and I'm chopping at this tree, every hit counts. I'm not like. Oh, we need some wood for the fire or else we go freeze to death. Where's my axe at? Oh, ain't got an axe. Let's go to the store. I ain't got no money. Well, they approved me for a credit card to buy an axe. Now I got an axe. It ain't sharp enough. How do you sharpen the axe? It's like, boy, you ain't you ain't ready. We over here freezing to death. We dead now. We dead because you ain't ready with the axe. Now, either that made sense or it didn't. The point is, if you, if you, as Eric Thomas say, if you stay ready, you ain't got to get ready. So I'm trying to tell y'all, look, we ain't got to be scared. We need to be prepared, prepared with what the knowledge and access to the capital so that when the opportunity strikes, we're ready. But then there's a step before that. How can you be ready for an opportunity if you don't even know how to spot the opportunity? Come on, now I said something there. How are you going to be ready for the opportunity if you don't even know how to spot the opportunity because you haven't been studying and running with the pack of people who know it, talk it, 
and been talking about if this happened, we go get ready to do this. If you on the outside, you won't even you won't you you won't even know an opportunity came until it's over, until everybody else got rich. All right. So we know what the interest rate hikes mean. We know how it could affect certain people, demographics, certain industry. But what's what what's important is that there's gonna be some effect one way or another. Some people gonna be affected, the economy gonna be affected. Long term, we go higher. Short term, we probably go lower. Either way, in both scenarios, there's opportunity, but only for the people who are prepared with the knowledge, a little bit of experience mixed with the ability to raise or get access to the capital to take advantage of the opportunity. So I want you to be thinking about where are you at in this equation? What do you need? Do you need information? Reach out to me. Let me know how I can help you. Do you need capital? I just gave you a couple ideas. Get a line of credit and possibly consider a new credit card. But that line of credit is really where it's at because you can pull money out if you need it, not to be reckless. Okay, I'm not talking to people who just go up the street and buy TVs and do stupid stuff with money. So don't be jumping in my comments talking about that's a bad idea. It's a bad idea for dumb people. All right. But for entrepreneurs, for people who are ready for opportunity, everyone knows that OPM, you use other people's money to buy real estate property, investment, open businesses, because you know that the opportunity or you believe that the opportunity can outproduce the interest rate that you're going to pay on that debt that you borrowed. There's smart debt and there's dumb debt. And I got to stop because we about to go into a whole nother conversation. You know, smart debt is borrowing money to make money. Dumb debt is borrowing money to buy dumb stuff that depreciate and don't make no money, but it make you look good and help you feel good, even though you're going in debt and dying on the inside. But that's a whole nother conversation. For this conversation, we're going to end it with, should we be scared? H, no. Should we be prepared? H, yeah. Let me know in the comments, which one are you, scared or prepared? I'll see you on the next episode.